forefathers came Some seeking adventure Some bound in chains Through battles waged and fought Through victory and pain By test of their courage Our freedom was gained choices when it comes to domain registration, web hosting, and dedicated servers. But I have to tell you about Jocko Hosting. They're simply the best. With their 99.9% uptime guarantee, 24-7 sales and support teams, you'll never have to worry. 
Get in touch with them today. They offer plenty of other products and services like SSL certificates, managed WordPress, and more. Call or click today, 480-624-2500. Jocko.com. That's J-A-C-H-Q-O.com. A G and D Enterprises Inc. All right, sir. listeners, welcome back. Uh, as I promised you before, we went to the CARICOM Anthem that tonight we have an exciting conversation for you. My guest tonight is the a parliamentarian in the in the Parliament of Dominica on the opposition side. He is the pal rep for the Rosa South constituency, uh, Mr. Joshua Francis. Last week, if you remember, we had two young ladies on our program, Miss Maslin Edwards and Adelaide Paul, and they were giving us some information about uh, the the amendment to the House of Assembly electors bill that the government was trying to pass. And there were some controversial aspects to it. And of course they were giving us the the raw reaction of the citizenry to that to that um, attempt by the government to amend the bill. And because of the passion and the and the claims that they were making at the time, I wanted to bring a legal person, somebody who understands the law from a technical point of view, to talk about what was being done, talk about how constitutional it is, um, you know, interpret it for us as a, as a, as a, lawyer, as a lawyer. And so um, I invited Mr. Joshua Francis to come on the show, and he's graciously agreed. Um, I know he has a very busy schedule, and of course, I'm very, very grateful and delighted that he agreed to come on. So let's give a welcome to, to Joshua. And Mr. Francis, welcome to this weekend interview. Welcome back, I should say, because you've been my guest before on this weekend interview. So welcome back. Hi, thank you, and good evening to you, and good evening to your listeners. Yes. I'm not sure Go whether ahead. we have anybody from the Rosenthal constituency listening. I suspect that we may very well have a few constituents from my constituency, and as such, I'll listen to a special good evening to the people from the Rosenthal constituency. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I'm sure we do, because we have quite a bit of persons. We've been growing our audience a little bit, and there are some persons who listen from Dominica. Um, once upon a time, our show used to be carried live on Q. It's no longer carried live on Q, but we do have a few um, people in the local um, uh, resident in Dominica who listen. We also have Dominicans who listen from from all over, residing in North America, in Europe, all over the world that listen. And at the way things go, um, since we've been allowing people who don't reside in Dominica to come down to vote, um, you may have some constituents who listen to listening to you from New York and Boston, so um, your your greeting is is well received from them. So, and, and and that touches the nerve of what we are here to discuss tonight. But before we jump into the controversial and the part that's making people concerned and angry, um, Joshua, I wanted you to to take a few minutes and to explain, you know, from a legal point of view. Um, as much as you can, the the full breadth and depth of of what it is that the amendment is is trying to achieve or, or is proposing. All right. Um, once again, good evening to your listeners. Mm-hmm. Let me start off by reminding your listeners that we have what is referred to as the Constitution of Dominica, which is the supreme law of the land. In Dominica, we have what is referred to as constitutional supremacy. 
meaning that the Constitution is the highest source of law. And within the Constitution, Parliament has the right to make laws, repeal laws, and to amend laws. In that respect, several laws governing the electoral process in Dominica has been enacted. And those laws were enacted in two main statutory provisions. One, the Re Registration of Elections Act and the House of Assembly Elections Act. In that respect, the Constitution also has provided powers to an electoral commission. So part four of the Constitution of Dominica has made provisions for an electoral commission, which is responsible for supervising the electoral process. And in recent times, you would have heard quite a lot of discussions concerning the electoral commission, which is responsible to provide recommendations for the commission of laws as it relates to the electoral process in Dominica. In the last sitting of parliament, the government of Dominica attempted to bring forward legislation of bills to amend the House of Assembly Elections Act and the Registration of Electors Act. That happened on the backdrop of years of advocacy for electoral reform in Dominica. Okay. Like several pieces of legislation on the island, a number of persons, particularly members of the parliamentary opposition, have had issues with the electoral process, as there have been a significant number of allegations made against the players within the electoral process, allegations such as bribery and treating. In recent times, we have seen a practice where the government of Dominica, through the Labour Party, has been involved in the facilitation of overseas voters or Dominicans abroad, or diaspora voters, as we would say. Let me mm -hmm. repeat that statement, the, and I probably should be more specific and more accurate. I would say the Dominican Labour Party has been involved in the transportation of voters from the diaspora. And some of the critics have raised issues of bribery and treating because the current legislation, that is the House of Assembly Act, Section 55A, spells out what is bribery and treating. And in simple parlance, in layman's language, where a political party or agent of a political party provides consideration to another for the purpose of voting him or her political party, that would constitute treating. Okay. Where one induces another, whether by consideration or some form of promise or expectation, to vote for a person or a party that may be bribery. So you have had a lot of allegations, primarily the issue of transporting Dominicans 
from abroad to Dominica to participate in the electoral process. Associated with that allegation is the allegation that some of these electors would be ineligible to vote, given that they have been out of Dominica for five years continuously. Again, the electoral provision or the electoral laws state that someone who stays out of Dominica for at least five years continuously is ineligible to vote. Of course, and the person who is dead, his or her name ought to be removed on the voters list. So because we have had a significant number of Dominicans living abroad, not paying attention per se to what is happening in Dominica, some of them may have been out for 10 years, seven years, 20 years continuously. One would argue that their names ought to be removed on the voters list according to the law, as well as dead people's name. But because we have not had a continuous sanitization or cleansing of the voters list, we have had a bloated voters list. The voters list consisting of over 70,000 persons, whereas the population of Dominica is, is about 72,000. Clearly, not everybody in Dominica can vote, and that is what the voters list would be suggesting. So in that respect, we in the parliamentary opposition have been asking for A, sanitizing the voters list, B, abortion or abatement of transportation of voters from the diaspora to Dominica, C, equal access to state-owned media houses such as DBS and GIS, for campaign finance reform, to create a level playing field and to disallow any money laundering or participation by thugs and international criminals within the electoral process in Dominica. So in other words, the parliamentary opposition has been asking for a protection of the integrity of the electoral process in Dominica. And in that regard, the electoral commission having taken into consideration the plight of the people in respect of the electoral process. They brought in their, their recommendations to the AG's office, the Attorney General's office, the Ministry of Legal Affairs. Hence, the bills were brought forth to Parliament. One of the provisions within the bill, the House of Assembly Elections Bill, sparked a lot of talk a lot of controversy the reason being that it would appear that in the bill section 57 b and i'm going to read section 57 b of the bill which ought to have been tabled in the, in the last sitting of the house of assembly reads for the avoidance of doubt the transportation of electors or the facilitation of the transportation of electors to or within Dominica for the purposes of an election does not constitute an offense unless the transportation is provided or facilitated with the intention to corruptly induce an elector 
to vote for a particular candidate for whom or party for which the elector would not otherwise vote. So that piece of legal provision, that piece of provision in the bill has generated a lot of discussions such, as, such, such that the patriots of Dominica came out and protested in the, within the precincts of parliament which caused the government of Dominica to retreat, hence suspending the tabling of the bill until further notice. Okay, so let me jump in there. Um, because I, I guess the bulk of our discussion is going to center around that aspect of the bill. Um, right. What I want to have a little bit of discussion before we go into that is, one, the you, you stated the the demands that the opposition and, and other persons had on the electoral the appeal on the electoral commission for electoral reform. In the other aspects of the bill, if you put that part, that one clause aside, does the other aspect of the bill, of the proposed amendment, were they addressing the the issues and requirements that were that were submitted to the election commission? by the opposition parties? Well, one could argue in part, the bill of bills do not address the issue of campaign finance reform, okay. which is an important component of the electoral process in any country. And sadly, or regrettably, Dominica, among other Commonwealth Caribbean countries, have not seen it fit to provide campaign finance regulation and laws. We in the parliamentary opposition, we have suggested to the government to legislate laws to regulate campaign finance. Because in recent times, we have had suspicions that the Dominican Labour Party may have accepted or accepting dark money or monies from international criminals. After all, we have legislations such as Proceeds of Crime Act and Money Laundering Act in Dominica. Such laws empower the authorities to go after an ordinary person who has acquired wealth and cannot provide an explanation for his or her wealth. In other words, if a man is unemployed and he is known to have built a mansion, the police under the Proceeds of Crime Act and the Money Laundering Act can conduct an investigation to ascertain the source of wealth of that builder or owner. We are saying if the laws to regulate finances for the ordinary person to avoid any criminal activity, why not political parties? Why not have laws to regulate the campaign finance? Both pieces of legislation, both bills, the Registration of Electors Bill and the House of Assembly Elections Amendment Bill did not touch or did not attempt to deal with campaign finance. So give me, give, us, give me a little bit of a gist of what exactly 
the, the, was proposed in terms of campaign financing? Well, with the United Workers Party, Team Dominica, the parliamentary opposition, it was suggested that we have a ceiling on finance to be used in any campaign in Dominica. So, for example, for every elector, $30. I'm just giving an example. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, no political party would be allowed to have more than a certain amount of monies available for the purpose of campaigning. Of course, in a practical sense, that would be very difficult. But nonetheless, we're saying we ought to consider ways and means to regulate campaign finance, probably declarations of sources of campaign funds. So let me, let me ask you, yes. political parties in Dominica, are they not for profit? Uh, what kind of what kind of organizations are they? I don't quite get the question. Pardon me? A political party in Dominica, when somebody registers a political party in Dominica, is it a not-for-profit organization? Is it a business? Is it a, a club? I mean, how, what is the designation? What type of organization is a political party? If that is well, it, it is a political uh, party, as it says. It is not in the business of making profits. Well, well, the reason I'm asking is because depending on the type of organization, um, is, does the law require auditing of the books of a political party or any kind of accountability at all in the law? And that's a very good question because we do not have that type of regulation. Mm. So you do not find any regulators or state-appointed auditors looking at the books of political parties. Hence, we have no idea as to where political parties would be obtaining their campaign monies. Or was that part of the was that part of the proposal that the that the opposition was trying to get the commission to um to implement? Well, what part of the proposal would be to we we uh, made a general proposal and part of it was to put a cap on campaign finance. Um, but I am speaking to you not just as a representative of the parliamentary opposition, but as an attorney and somebody who has had concerns about campaign finance. As a matter of fact, in 2010, I wrote an article on campaign finance in Dominica because I felt and continue to feel that for us to advance the electoral process in Dominica, we must regulate campaign finance. It is unacceptable that in this age, we have a political party obtaining monies from sources without any idea by the electors or the country. If, for example, I'm the leader of a political party, and I befriend a criminal, let's say from in, from Colombia. Take for a simple example, I'm traveling out of Dominica, I'm on my way to the United States of America, and I come across this man, and this man admits to me that he's a drug lord based in Colombia. And I tell him, well, I'm the leader of a political party, and my party is in a position to win in a general election. And he says to me, well, sir, we can enter in business. I can provide 10 million dollars for your campaign. Well, of course, if the man is giving me $10 million, he's going to strike a deal. He's going to say, well, Mr. Francis, I can provide you with $10 million for your campaign. However, when you win, I would like you to open the door for me to get some cooking on the island. Let's assume I were to accept that. Who's going to know about that? That is just between me and the drug lord. 
So I accept, I find a way to get the $10 million in Dominica for my political party, but I have a deal with the drug lord. I have to find a way to give him back. And that is the problem with campaign finance in developing countries, where leaders accept money and must give paybacks. And these paybacks sometimes are brutal. Sometimes it's not in the interest of the ordinary citizen. So I just gave an example. It may appear hypothetical, but we know that in the real world, things like that happen. All the time. So what we are saying, and what I am saying, because I do not wish to necessarily represent my views to be that of the United Workers Party Team Dominica. As I said, before I got involved in politics, that was one of my concerns. I am saying that we must have a situation where campaign finance is regulated to avoid situations as paybacks. That's one. Another concern that the United Workers Party Team Dominica has had as it relates to the bills which were being tabled or brought forth for tabling in Parliament recently is that we have an unfair situation. So, for example, with Section 55B of the House of Assembly Elections Amendment Bill, if that legislation were to pass, we would have a significant unfair advantage by a party which has the financial muscles. So currently, it would appear that the Dominican Labour Party has a lot of financial resources. And if that bill were allowed to, to pass, it would mean that the Dominican Labour Party would be able to bring in as many voters on the island. On the, con on the contrary, the United Workers Party, which has limited financial resources, therefore would not be able to compete. So yes, the United Workers Party Team Dominica has a lot of supporters in the diaspora, but it would not be able to transport as many supporters as the Dominican Labour Party, hence creating an unlevel playing field. But, but let me let me play devil's advocate. If because suppose somebody says, well, okay, if you if you are putting yourself forward as being capable of running the country, then you should be able to raise the means to to finance to do what it to raise finance to do what it takes to to give a strong contention to win the election what if somebody were to say that how would you how would you respond to that well um and that is a fair argument however the reality is that political parties which are in the incumbency as in case of the Dominican labor party has the advantage of raising funds because an investor or a sympathizer looking into the country, thinking that the incumbent has an advantage, is more likely to give money to the incumbent party, especially if he or she would have been benefiting from the incumbent. So, so traditionally, so, so traditionally, no, no, I was going to ask you in your in your proposal for campaign financing, were you did you consider, let us say, that the that the state would pay, would allocate equal amounts of monies to the parties, and that is all the money that that party can spend for their campaign? Is that is that is that a proposal well, that, that you all considered? That should be part of the proposal that was that we considered. That uh, the state would also provide a contribution to the campaign finance, and I think that is what happens in the United States of America, where the state provides X amount, and the parties are allowed to raise another amount. Well, they, the, in the U.S., I think they have the option. If they accept the state financing, that's what they're restricted to, or they can choose not to accept it and raise their own. 
something right. to that effect. Like, for example, Barack Obama walked away from it and said, no, I, I wouldn't accept it. And therefore, he was able to raise many times more than what he would, um, would have gotten from, from the government. Uh, right, right. But, but, I, but I take the point. It, 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 in terms of financing, especially in a country like Dominica where, we have lim- where everybody says we have limited resources, I don't think we have limited resources, it, it makes no sense to spend so much money on an election campaign when there's so much need in the country. And, and so I, 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 I think most people would agree, most sensible people would agree that Dominica is small, um, we have 70,000 people probably, we should be able to say, okay, X amount of money is what we need to be able to get our message to every single Dominican. So X amount of money is what we limit um, spending on an election and, and everybody has the same um, access to those financing. But that the reason I asked the question earlier, to verify that means that you would have to be able to now examine the books of the political parties to make sure that they don't violate that. Right. So, in other words, we are promoting or we wish to promote transparency and accountability as well as fairness and equity within the electoral process. Because any government or any country or any level of governance that is opaque creates an environment for corruption. And that is why we have, to some extent, been saying that the Dominican Labour Party is advancing corruption of the electoral process because they do not stand for transparency and accountability since they paid no regard to campaign finance reform. But another aspect of the bill which has generated even more controversy is the issue of bribery and treating, Mm -hmm. such that some persons are of the view that the bill would legitimize bribery and treating. Because if you look at Section 55B of the bill, and I read it out to your listeners, Right. It would seem to suggest that the Labour Party is now asking the public to accept its practice of transporting overseas voters to participate in the electoral process. Now, Team Dominica United Workers Party has absolutely no problems with the diaspora participating in the electoral process. However, we have submitted and continue to submit that it is inappropriate for a political party to purchase tickets for anyone to come to Dominica for the purpose of voting. Our contention is that if our brothers and sisters who are in the diaspora wish to participate in the electoral process, then they should be inclined to purchase their own tickets. That is one. Mm-hmm. We have the view, we have the view that when a political party or an agent of a political party were to buy a ticket for a Dominican to come and vote, basically, and from a practical point of view, it is a form of bribery and treating. Now, when you look at the legislation, clearly the legislation does not only say it's okay to transport voters into Dominica. It, it goes on to say it is not okay for transporting voters to Dominica with the criminal intent of that transportee or that voter to vote for the political party of the purchaser of the ticket. So in essence, the legislation is defining an illegality 
or possible illegality in the transportation of voters into Dominica. So it is not... When, uh, when I read it, let me, let me, let me ask yes. you something, because as, as a lawyer, when I read yes. it, there were a couple of things that jumped out at me. One of them is that um, in, in the, if that amendment were to pass, in the application of the amendment, it would, it would make it almost illegal for United Workers Party to offer a ticket to a labor right. Because if, like, if, if, I'm, if I'm an agent of United Workers Party, and I know somebody in 10 would, would normally vote for Scary, and I say, well, okay, I'm going to give you a ticket, even if I don't explicitly tell them that I want them to vote for my, for my party when they come down, by giving them the ticket and encouraging them to come is, is, is somehow an inducement. So, so I can see somebody saying, listen, to avoid somebody challenging me and taking me to court for saying that I'm trying to influence somebody to vote for me, I'm only going to give tickets to my supporters. Am I really not wrong? Well, no. Um, if you are right, if I am a supporter of the Dominican Labour Party and the Labour Party through its agent were to contact me, I live in New York, I support the Labour Party, I'm known to be a Labour right, I am from Roosevelt Central, and the Labour Party through its agent were to contact me to offer me a ticket to come and vote in the 2019 general election, assuming that's when election is held and I accept the ticket, and I come to Dominica, and someone is aware that that ticket was purchased by the Dominican Labour Party or an agent of the Dominican Labour Party for me, for the purpose of coming to vote for the Labour Party, and challenges under Section 55B, assuming that legislation were to have passed, mm -hmm. it is almost impossible to hold the Labour Party or its agent legally liable. Right, because that person, saying that person would have voted for Labour anyway. So in any way, yeah, right. In any way, but, but and say, uh -huh. saying that there was no criminal intention, there was no uh, intention to induce. There could not be inducement because in any event, the person was going to vote for the Labour Party anyway. anyway just for, right. So, 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 so you see, yeah. yeah. So I'm saying my interpretation was that the way the law is set up, it's set up to where it actually is encouraging parties to only give tickets to people that they know are their supporters. Well, yes, the law is, is basically set up to facilitate and improvise the transportation of uh, voters or party supporters to come and take part in the electoral process. Right. But in truth, from a practical point of view, as I said, it will be very difficult to hold somebody liable under that piece of provision. No. It is, it's very, very difficult. I have a question. I want to step back a little bit. Yes. Now, the, that particular amendment starts off to remove all doubt. So when I read it to remove all doubt, that sounds like it's a clarification. Well, yes, because what has happened, and again, to some extent, it is it is substantiating the allegation that has been made against the Dominican Labour Party, the allegation of transporting voters to take part in the electoral process. So it is a naked exposure of a practice that has been embraced by the Dominican Labour Party in that they have been transporting or paying for the transportation of supporters from the diaspora to take part in the electoral process in Dominica. So one of the counter-arguments mm -hmm. to that submission as far as paying for voters to come and vote for a particular uh, party is that when a ticket is purchased for a voter 
and he or she comes to Dominica, we do not know for sure who that person would vote for. Another argument that has been used to counter the argument of legitimization of bribery and treating is that one may say that transporting voters within the precincts of Dominica, within the geographical space of Dominica, for example, uh, our, as me as a parliamentary representative during the campaign, some of my supporters volunteered to transport voters, especially senior citizens, from their homes to polling stations. So, for example, if there's a resident from Newton or a voter from Newton who has sought residence elsewhere, so this lady from Newton already started voting Newton, but now she's living in Salibir. And on election day and polling day, one of my agents finds out that this voter is willing to vote, but she doesn't have means of transportation. And as such, my supporter decides to go to Salibir to pick up that voter to take her to Newton for the purpose of voting. Well, here you go. Is that treating? Is that bribery? So that is one of the counter arguments. What you're saying is that that practice is extended beyond the geographical space of Dominica. It is now international. Mm -hmm. So if we were to accept local transportation of voters from their homes to the, to the polling stations, what is the difficulty in accepting supporters from wherever they are to come to Dominica to vote? The difference here is that, and one may argue the difference, yes, in principle that may be true or may be the same, but the difference here is that transporting somebody within Dominica is not costly and may not necessarily induce he, he or she to vote for the transporter or the political party of the transporter. But again, we go back to the same point. And that's where the technicalities come in. If a, a voter from New York comes to Dominica and would have voted for the Labour Party anyway, then we don't have inducement. And therefore, without inducement, we cannot have bribery and treating. So there are a lot of technicalities and arguments for and against from a legal point of view. Practically, practically putting away all these legalese and legal technicalities, one understands the difficulty in the passage of the bill from a practical point of view. And as such, that is why the United Workers Party Team Dominica has asked the Labour Party not to put that piece of provision back on the table. But so, but what I was asking, as what I was trying to ask as well, was: Can you can you amend an act through what looks like a clarification? Yeah, well, I started by by pointing out to you that Parliament has the power to repeal laws, make laws, and amend laws. Right, but 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 clarification of laws is not one of those. Interpretation of laws well, is not listed there. Well, amendment of law for the purpose of clarification is possible. If um, a piece of... Amendment for the purpose of clarification, not clarification for the purpose of amendment. To me, to me, there's a distinction there, no? No, it can... You, to, to clarify a piece of legislation, there must be an amendment. Right, but what, but what I'm saying is that it, it, it says to remove all doubt, but, but in, in the doubt that is removing, it seems to be changing the the gist of the of, of the of the law that is that that is addressing well so, so it's, um, not, it's not just a clarification it is it, it's, it's like offering a a different definition to what we've understood the law to mean all the time so that in effect is an amendment but it is well, being disguised as a clarification 
Well, that that piece of legislation, that that particular, that specific provision, 55B, mm -hmm. is an extension or expansion of the law. It never existed before, so it's not really an amendment of that practice. It is an improvisation or legalization of the practice. So we have had the Labour Party transporting voters from the diaspora to Dominica to participate in the electoral process. And we have raised issues of bribery and treating. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the government to remove doubts and to extirpate or repudiate our arguments on that issue, they have seen it fit to go ahead and legalize what is deemed to be bribery and treating. So really, this is an expansion of the law because there was no law dealing with the issue of transportation of voters prior to that piece of legislation. Well, well, no, but that's not what I was saying, though. So, for example, if, 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 we're, if, if we're to put it in different terms, okay, if we say, if you if you kill a man for no reason, you you committing murder. Mm -hmm. If if I try to pass an amend, whatever it is, and I say anyway, to clarify the law. If you kill that person on your property, it's not an offense under that law. That is, to me, that is not a clarification. That's that because that is changing the whole definition of what. To me, you need to you would need to have tabled an amendment, not not a clarification, because you're now introducing a new aspect of the law or a new a special a special application of the law. And I don't know. To me, I, I don't know if the law in Dominica is the same as in the U.S., but to me that is an interpretation of the law, and interpretation of the law should be done in the courts and not in the legislature, not in parliament. Well, parliament, the legislature, of course, has an intention, mm -hmm. and that's what he passes his law. So right. the intention of the government, as it relates to that provision, basically would be to legalize transportation of voters, because prior to that piece of bill, and to date, given that the bill has not passed, we have absolutely no law addressing the issue of transportation of voters from the diaspora to Dominica. The law that we have, though, is 55A. Bribery and treating. And the, uh, the argument is that if you if you buy a ticket for somebody to travel to Dominica, it, it is covered under bribery and treating. Except, except that now we're starting to say, well, although you're giving them something of considerable value, because this transportation is not considered, it cannot be considered bribery or treating unless you're trying to influence them. Induce, right. So, unless it's, right. So, so that's why I'm saying that it sounds to me like you are, they are amending the law, but in, but in, in doing it, they're, they're, they're making it sound like a, like a clarification, like an interpretation. And, and to, uh, I don't know, to me, that is, that is the purview of the courts, to look at the law that's on the books. If you're changing, if, if all you're doing is clarifying, to me, that should be a purview of the courts. Well, no, I don't think that's the intention of the Dominican Labour Party, to clarify. I think the intention of the Labour Party basically is asking the public and the court to accept accept the practice of transporting voters from overseas to Dominica to vote. But I think that's what the, the first phrase, the first phrase of the bill is, is to remove all doubt. That, to me, that sounds like they're suggesting a clarification. Well, I think that is more suggesting guilt on the part of the Labour Party. I agree. I agree as well. The Labour Party has been involved in transporting voters. We have said that. We have said that had it not been the influx of overseas voters, Dominicans, that is, in, in the election of 2014, that the United Voters Party would have won the elections. And having said that, and having been, been saying that, and being aware of that, 
the Dominican Labour Party intended to take that piece of bill or legislation to Parliament so that to avoid any doubts, to stop those who are saying that from saying that, because saying, hey, it's okay to transport voters, you know, stop saying that transporting voters from New York or Antigua to participate in the electoral process in Dominica is wrong. We are going to make it right. So basically, instead the Labour Party repent, repents and fixed itself, it is now taking what we perceive as a wrong to make it right. But again, philosophically, somebody may argue paradigm shift. The fact, the fact is that Parliament has the right to make laws. So if Parliament decides that, hey, today that may be wrong, but I want to make it right, and therefore let me, let me go and pass the law, then it has that constitutional right. So that's a, a philosophical argument. And one can use marijuana as an example. Today, marijuana um, in most jurisdictions in the Commonwealth is still marijuana consumption is still um, unlawful. In time, it may be decriminalized. Again, Parliament has the, 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 the power to do that. Right. So, so, uh, so Parliament would go, Parliament, Parliament would table a bill that says, listen, from here on out, if you have marijuana for your own personal use, it's no longer considered an offense under the Act. That's an, so, that's yes. an amendment. I don't see I don't see Parliament coming and say, well, for clarification or to remove all doubt, if you only have marijuana for your personal use, it's no longer it's, it's not a crime. It's, 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 so, so the wording of the whole bill, the whole thing, like you said, it just sounds like like a big cover up because if if now they were to propose an amendment, an explicit amendment that now makes it legal to transport people to Dominica, then we can say, you see, that means doing it in the previous elections was illegal. So to avoid that, they're, they're proposing it almost like it's a clarification, but I don't think a clarification is something that is, is, is a way to amend the bill. But, but so, so, so Joshua, moving forward, the, the government um, withdrew the bill, but it gives the sense that the, the bill was withdrawn on a temporary basis. What, yeah, that is what, what, what is the what is the plan of the organization, the leaders in the opposition, to to try to keep that um, that passion going, to keep people involved, so that um, if it's attempted to return, that it would still get the same reaction and, and pushback that the, that the government got this time around. Well, I can speak for the United Workers Party. The leader of the United Workers Party, Tim Dominica, has consistently stated that the provision, the controversial provision 55B, would legitimize bribery and treating. He has been very vociferous. He has been very firm in his position. He will continue to be firm. He has organized a rally or a public meeting for Lago tomorrow evening to continue to, to educate, enlighten, and empower the people of Dominica to stand against any legislation which attempts to do something immoral. Because this is not just a legal issue. This is an issue of morality. The fact is, fact is bribery is bribery and treating is treating. We may attempt to redefine the definition, but the substantive practice of bribery and treating remains the same. So the United Workers Party will continue to enlighten the public. And it desires to, to do so by having public meetings, by having panel discussions, by using the airwaves, by speaking to civil society, religious leaders, trade unions, and 
we can only hope that the number of people who are stood against the behavior of the Dominican Labour Party in trying to codify immorality will grow. We have no doubt that the Patriots will grow in numbers and the Dominican Labour Party will continue to retreat in its act to legitimize immorality. So is there any plans to to challenge the any such amendment in the courts from a legal point of view? Is there any is there any is there any plans to bring like a, a, a suit or an injunction against um, government and, and put a stay on something like that to come back? Right. Well again, um, if we are going to seek an injunction or any judicial review or to machinate any legal process, we would have to have legal grounds. Mm -hmm. And the party has obtained advice or in the process of obtaining legal advice and to date it would appear that we're not in a position to injunct or to use the court to stop parliament. Remember parliament is the highest court of the land and parliament is empowered by the constitution of Dominica to make laws, amend laws and repeal laws. And unless parliament were to pass a piece of legislation which is contrary to the constitution of Dominica, we really don't have a ground to challenge the law. Personally, I have looked at the bills and I have not identified anything that is in contravention of the Constitution of Dominica. And my personal advice would be to continue to work with the public. You, we are in the political arena. Let me, let me understand that properly. You're saying that if the government is passing a law that would clearly try to legalize something that is illegal, that the, the, the parliament has every right to do that? If parliament is passing a law that is contrary to the constitution of Dominica, then the parliamentary opposition can move the court via judicial review for the court to, re to consider what we would perceive as a constitutional wrong. Right, but bribery is wrong. And if, we, if we're convinced that purchasing a ticket for someone to come to vote is bribery or treating, isn't that, isn't that legal ground to, to mount a challenge? Yeah, but then again, as I said to you, the, the, the uh, provision in question defines bribery within it. Mm -hmm. It defines treating because it says, um, and I'll read again, it says, for the avoidance of doubt, the transportation of electors or the facilitation of the transportation of electors to or within Dominica for the purposes of an election does not constitute an offense. Unless, unless the transportation is provided or facilitated with the intention to corruptly induce an elector to vote for a particular candidate. All right? So there is a proviso. So he's saying it's okay to transport voters from the diaspora to Dominica. Mm. However, it becomes wrong if you attempt to induce. Right, but I'm saying, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting forward the argument that if you pass that law, you are legitimating something that is illegal. So, so let's take a ridiculous example just to try to mm -hmm. illustrate what I'm saying. Right. Let's go to murder. If we say it's illegal to meet somebody on the street and just shoot them, okay? And I'm mm -hmm. passing a law that says that it's, it is illegal to, sh it's only an offense if your intention was to kill them. And shooting them in the chest does not prove that you intend to kill them. 
but the person dies anyway, right? So <laughs> something like that is so obviously wrong. It's so obvious murder, let's say. You, right. You're telling me that in a case like that, a citizen or a party or it is doesn't have the right to challenge that law as being unconstitutional? But on what basis? On the basis, on basis that the constitution says that it's, it's, it's not constitutional to commit murder. So yeah, but then you cannot just go back and redefine murder to make it to make it okay. Yeah, legal terms are forever being def being redefined. Mm -hmm. Legal terms are always being defined. The, the court of law is the interpreter. Remember, the judiciary interprets the law, and in certain respects, the judiciary make laws. So, because so, in, so keep that there. Keep that there. That that is the point I'm coming to. If the judiciary um, function is to interpret the law. Mm -hmm. My that's the point I'm making that somebody can make a challenge to say, listen, on I am challenging the interpretation of the law that the government is using to say that they have the right to do this. So let the courts rule whether they agree with me or not. But I'm challenging. Uh, I I want I want to get your interpretation of the law to say that these guys do not have the right to do that. Well, well, you're saying basically what you're going to challenge is that it is wrong to buy a ticket for someone to come and vote. Right. Because once you do that, that is treated. That is treated. And so you, you do not want that law to pass. Right. Oh, let's take the discussion beyond that. Right now, the law has not passed. And let's, just, let's hope that this piece of legislation never passes. Let's look at the reality. Will that mean that the Dominican Labour Party will stop the practice of importing voters into Dominica? Will Section 55B cover us and help us to stop the Dominican Labour Party? And when I say Section 55, um, let me correct myself. The current law, Section 55 of the House of Assembly Act, which defines treating, mm -hmm. buying a ticket would amount to consideration. Right. Hence, hence unlawful under the House of Assembly Act. So we have the existing law. Nonetheless, we are suspicious of the Dominican Labour Party treating, involving treating, buying tickets for people to come to Dominica. I am saying to you, do you think that practice, so I'm asking, do you think that practice is going to stop? I think the practice will not stop unless somebody takes the matter to court and have the court rule on it. And therefore, it, whichever direction the court rules will govern the action because, because if the court rules on it and rules that it is treating and it is bribery or one or the other, I mean, we've, we've, we've seen, I've seen Facebook, I have seen stuff on the internet where you see people actually giving t people tickets to go down. So, okay, the, so, let, so, so let me stick like a pin here. Let me like stick, let, discourage it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me stick a pin. Now, for the purpose of litigation, you have proof that the Labour Party purchased a ticket for Sandra. You want to take the matter to court. How are you going to provide evidence that Sandra was treated by the Dominican Labour Party? Hence, the members or the executive of the Labour Party are guilty for treating. How are you going to prove that? Well, what I'm saying is that if this thing is taken to court, it's going to make it more difficult and they will have to be a whole lot more careful because it, it will be very, it will be relatively easy for someone who wants to stop that practice to pretend to be a supporter 
and to record the practice and to be a witness and say, well, listen, this is what this guy told me, this is what he gave me, and here's the evidence of the ticket. Mm -hmm. so, so unless this thing is challenged in court, then it, what happens is what's happening now. They just do it and they say, okay, we're going to talk about it and shout about it, but nobody's really challenging it, so we can continue business as usual. So you're suggesting that somebody could pretend to be a supporter of the Labour Party. Or the United Workers Party, whoever is doing it. And, party, yeah. Accepts a ticket from that party, flies into Dominica, goes to an attorney at law and say, hey, I want an action to be brought against this person You're under right. Section 55 of the House of Assembly Act. Right. On cases that I was treated by that person. Right. So now you find that individual making himself available to go to court to give evidence that he was approached by a member of a political party for the purpose of accepting a ticket to come to Dominica to vote for him or her. Right. Now, I'm asking, from a practical point of view, what is the probability that, that, that such a thing will happen? I think it's a high probability if, 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 if we... If, if. If I was if I was in the opposition and I set out to do that, I think it's I think it's a high probability that could happen. Out of, the, out of the thousands of supporters that the United Workers Party has in the diaspora, you mean they cannot find five people that uh, that 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 can come down on a ticket and, and have proof that um, that the ticket was bought for them for the purpose of coming down to vote for okay, the other party? So, okay, so let me let me let me bring up a question now. Um, so that person accepts a ticket from an, a, a so-called agent of the Dominican Labour Party. And he goes to court, he gets the lawyer, the lawyer then files an action under six, Section 55 of the House of Assembly Act. Then we have issues of evidence. Of course, you have to prove that the purchaser of the ticket is in fact an agent of the Dominican Labour Party. Yeah. So you're going to have to cross that hurdle as well. But, 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 but you see, what I'm saying is that just the mere fact of the challenge mm -hmm. at least brings it into court, opens it up for discussion, and therefore clarifies in the minds of the public that this thing is wrong or this thing is right or it's okay or, or, or at least he's willing to challenge it. Okay, let me put it this way. I'm, I'm not too sure whether we have had any litigation concerning or any election petition concerning transportation of voters. What I know is that we have had a number of election petitions challenging certain practices which, which we consider to be illegal. Mm -hmm. And those petitions were thrown out from court. And one of the reasons why those petitions were thrown out is because of the difficulty in passing the evidence hurdle. And unfortunately, a lot of provisions which would hold somebody liable for treating and bribery within the law seem to be very difficult to prove. So ultimately, the Patriots of Dominica must continue to stand up against the Dominica Labour Party for passing a legislation which I consider to be immoral. Because philosophically, Parliament has the power to amend laws, repeal laws, and to make laws. And with paradigm shift, certain things which are considered to be unlawful today may very well be considered to be lawful tomorrow and vice versa. But it's for the Dominican public to invoke its consciousness and to decide or ascertain what it wants to accept or what it wants to reject. So the United Workers Party, Team Dominica, will continue to ventilate on the issue. But I think from a legal point of view, if we just deal with the legal mechanics, 
You have arguments for and against, and that, to some extent, will get lost in the sun. But if you're telling me that it's not illegal, then what's the problem? Well, I didn't say it's not illegal. I'm saying that you have arguments for and against. Because as I said to you, when you look at uh, Section 57B of the House of Assembly Elections Amendment, or the bill, within the provision, it is saying, within the provision, it's saying, in essence, that it's okay to transport voters from the diaspora to Dominica, unless, unless if it is done with the intention to corruptly induce the elector. So the, the provision is, is, is to some extent uh, covering any accusation that it is not making provisions for a, a, a criminal wrong, for bribery and treating. So let me, let me, let me, let me approach it. I know we're at 9 o'clock, but if you, if you have the time, my producer will indulge me, because I think this is a very important discussion. Let, let me approach it from a different angle, okay? Mm -hmm. I think the key to that whole thing is to, is to clarify who should be on the electors list. I don't think that the way the law is right now that says that if, you live, if I'm living in the U.S. for 20 years, but every five years I go home for carnival, that that gives me the qualification to be on the electors list that I can come down to vote, whether on my own money or somebody else's money. Because right now the law says if you've been out of the country continuously for five years, you should be taken off the electors list. But again, but, I want to stick up in here. How are you going to prove that somebody has been out for the for, for the past five years continuously. Well, so, so take the, for example, uh -huh. Jack has been five years continuously, and he goes to Dominica eight years thereafter. So it's eight years since he has left Dominica. He is now back in Dominica for the first time since he left. Eight years. He walks up to the electoral office and he says, "I have been out for the last eight years, and as such, I'm no longer eligible to be on the list. Please remove my name." He provides evidence, is accepted, and his name is removed. But that's a voluntary practice. If I were to be Jack's neighbor, I'm aware that he has been out for the past eight years. I go to the electoral office and I say, hey, Jack's name is on your electors list. And Jack has been out for the last eight years. And as such, he is no longer eligible to vote. I would like that his name be removed. The electors office, elections office says to me, well, sir, where's the evidence? Okay, but let, 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 let me let me Where am let, I going to get evidence let, let me propose it to you. Or to, let, to, let to, me propose am it to you substantiate or corroborate that this person has been out for the last eight years continuously. Let me let, yes, go ahead. Let me propose it differently. Mm. Um to me, you should be eligible to vote only in the constituency where you've been where you are resident. Okay? Where you're resident. So if you if you're from Salibi and now you live in Rose, after a certain amount of time, you should be required to move to to, to transfer your registration to where you reside, whatever whatever conditions that is, and therefore somebody who's not residing in a constituency should be required to be removed from the polls in that in, from the electors in that community because that person no longer resides in that constituency as per whatever requirement it is to establish residency, and that would solve everything. 
right now. But I'm saying in so terms of the electors list, you are eligible to vote. But and but as and once you get on the electors list, you're on it for life, pretty much. Unless you can well, that unless, is not, that unless is somebody not, can prove that you've been out continuously for five years. Well, that is not totally correct. If you're dead, um it means that well, yeah, you're for life, yeah. Right. But let's let's put it this way. All right, the registration of the electors act deals with the issue of registration. Mm -hmm. um, the registration of electors amendment act, meaning that the amendment which ought to have been brought before parliament would deal with that issue. And that is a that is a component of the electoral reform which has been proposed that has not been discussed. Of course, you have been hearing that the list has been pregnant. On the list has a number of persons who have been out of Dominica for a significant number of years. With that bill, it would, it would seem to suggest that we are going to have a, a new list because people have been asking for cleaning the voters' list. Well, let's have a discussion here. By cleaning the voters' list, are we going to leave the, the voters who are out of Dominica or are we going to include them? Are we going to allow them to re-register? Well, the bill makes provision for them to re-register. So those persons who are not interested, meaning that the persons in the diaspora who are not interested in participating in the electoral process, they will not re-register. But for those who are interested, they will find a way to re-register. Re yeah, but, but that, that's, not addressing my that's not addressing my concern. Though. My concern is that I live in, I, okay, well, take me. I live in New York, okay? I live in New York. I have, my kids have access to American education. I have access to American healthcare. I drive on American roads. All the benefits, I pay taxes in America. You're saying that as long as I'm interested in Dominica, it's okay for me to come down and vote. My own money, it's okay for me to come down and vote. Stay there for two days and come back up. Never mind if I never come back again until the next election. That is that is the position that I have a problem with. Well, and some proposals has been that those who are in a diaspora, they should not come to vote at all. That is one that is one proposal. So once you're in a diaspora and there's an election, you should not come and participate. You're paying you're paying taxes somewhere else, you're living somewhere else, you have established citizenship somewhere else then you should not participate in the electoral process in Dominica. Yeah, but that Another cannot be left up to the goodwill of my goodwill. That that should be something that the legislature has to find a way to, to, to propose something that's workable. Well, so here you go. And that is why we're having that discussion. Mm -hmm. And we, will have, we still have the opportunity, based on what the Prime Minister said in his last national address, and one of the reasons he gave for the suspension of Parliament and not tabling the bills, is for the facilitation and consideration of proposals from the public, civil society, parliamentary position, and so on and so forth. So your proposals can be entertained. So for I would example, suggest you probably so put it in writing and send it to the prime minister. <laughs> but <laughs> also, okay, okay. And, and a different, yeah. a different, a different perspective. If we really want people in the diaspora to to participate, I think maybe we should create one or two constituencies that represent the people of diaspora and let the people of diaspora vote for a representative from that constituency and let them vote in place where they are. So maybe you have six or seven polling areas around the U.S. where people can go to vote. And in the U.K. and in Canada, wherever we have large Dominican populations, 
make it possible for them to vote where they are, but not for because I'm resident in Cassidus. I haven't been in Cassidus in over 10 years. What am I going to vote for somebody in Cassidus for? If I really want to participate, maybe let me vote for a representative of the diaspora to represent the interests of the diaspora. I really, I really feel strongly that that is something that has to be addressed in any, any type of electoral reform that, that, we, that we propose. I feel very strongly about that. Right, so you feel strongly that the diasporans if the issue, if we really think that they are Dominicans and therefore we cannot take the vote away from them, let's create a couple constituencies that represent the diaspora. So we have 21 constituencies in the country. We have one or two in the diaspora. Make it possible for people to vote where they are. So I'm in New York. I can vote in New York. Somebody in Atlanta. Somebody in Houston. Somebody in Miami. You know that kind and of thing. And that vote goes to a a, a pal rep of the diaspora. So, in other words, we are going to have to make some amendments now. Well, we're yeah, we're talking about amendments. Yeah. We're going to have to do, we're going to have to establish a new constituency. We're going to have to establish a virtual constituency boundary. Yeah. So we'll have to go through nine yards. And from a practical point of view, that representative from the diaspora, does he or she make himself or herself available to participate in parliamentary proceedings? He should. Yeah, he should up yourself. That's, that's, what, that's what the office entails. That's what the office entails. You have to, you have to make yourself yeah. participate. And I mean, we have technology where maybe you participate via technology. I don't know. But I'm just saying that I don't think that it's ready. The way it's happening now, legal or illegal, I don't, I don't think it's fair to the to you who lives in Dominica and may not be satisfied with how the government is performing, or you may be satisfied with how the government is performing, it's not fair that I come down for two days and help you not achieve your objective in the elections and go back and I have no consequences. My vote has no consequences on me. That's what I'm saying. If you vote, your vote should have. You you, you you should have the consequence of your vote. You should be living to the consequence of your vote. Because well, you see, there are so many arguments for and against that discussion. Huh? I mean, um, someone from a diaspora may argue that he or she makes a heavy contribution to the welfare of Dominica. So you have Sandra who lives in Antigua, and she sends barrels for her family. She sends money via Western Union. And she's concerned about the welfare of her mother, her mother lives at Portsmouth, and her mother is being taken care of by a Yes We Care agent. So she feels good about that. Are you suggesting to Sandra that she ought not to participate in the electoral process, that she ought not to come to Dominica because she has no stake in Dominica? I'm, saying, I'm just saying uh, yeah, arguments. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying unless she, unless she is like halfway living in Dominica, so she is going back and forth very often, she's there... If you take up residence somewhere else, you're paying taxes somewhere else, you don't live in the community. Whether you send them a thousand barrels, I can go online and donate a thousand dollars a month to a child in Africa that I, or, or in Colombia or in Venezuela that I feel that I that, that I feel sorry for them. I'm concerned about their well-being. That shouldn't give me the right to vote in their election right. because the consequences of the vote, I don't suffer it. No, I, oh. I'm not subjected to the consequences of my vote. That, that is just that, and I'm saying if 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 we say okay, no, they're Dominicans and they're entitled to their vote. I think a good compromise would be to create a couple constituencies 
Yeah, it takes some it takes some shifting of paradigms to to, to say what you know. To, 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 but we have some constituencies, whether, whether there's a European constituency, a North American, and there's a wider Caribbean or whatever it is that we choose to do, we address it that way. The diaspora people have representatives that represent the diaspora and interest, and everybody is happy. And then you don't have to depend on somebody buying a ticket or you being able to get time off from work to go down to vote or whatever it is, you can vote where you are. Or but what, what really is your, if we were to do something like that, does that solve the issue? Because in one hand, you're telling the diaspora that he or she ought not to come here to vote. Because that, that would be my first preference. That would be my first preference. Right? But on the other hand, you are saying that you can come to parliament to represent your interests? No, no. What I'm saying is that my, if it was up to me, if you don't reside in, in a place, you don't vote. But I'm listening to the argument. I'm listening to people feel very strongly about their citizenship and their right to vote. So I'm, I'm saying uh, uh, an acceptable compromise would be that. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I'm just looking at it from a practical point of view. Because... If you were to have something like that, mm -hmm. you would be setting up the system to have a, a, a diaspora representative. Mm -hmm. All right? Because you want the diaspora to come to parliament to represent the diaspora. Mm -hmm. But currently, diaspora is saying that I don't want to go that far. All I want to ensure is that you give me the right to come and participate to vote. But you are saying that, hey, you have been out there, you have, you have established citizenship and residency somewhere else, and therefore you should not come here to vote. No, what I'm saying is that, <laughs> what I'm saying is that with, with privilege should come responsibility and consequences. Mm. So if you have the privilege to come to vote, you sh your, your consequence of your vote. So, so if, I have, if I have the privilege to come down to vote for United Workers Party, and, mm. and therefore Cassie Bruce goes to United Workers Party and that and that's the eleventh seat that United Workers Party wins that makes them win win the election. They get it they get into power. Right? Yes. What and I come back to New York, what exactly is the impact of my vote on me that gave me the right to come down to do that? To the all the other Dominicans who were very happy with the United, with the Labour Party as it was, and I, I I come down and vote against what they're going through every day and change the government. Well, the person could argue that he or she has relatives on the island, and those relatives are not satisfied with well, whatever. Let, well, let the relatives vote because they're the ones who live in there. Let them vote. Yeah, but the person is saying, hey, that's my family. I want to also be part of my family. I have a right. I am a citizen. I live there. I make a contribution. I mean, there are so much, there are so many arguments for and against this thing. As a parliamentary representative, ultimately, I believe in persuasive politics. I believe that the same way I can persuade somebody who lives in Newtown to vote for me, the same way I can persuade somebody who is in the diaspora to vote for me. So... Yes, the Labour Party may buy a ticket for the diaspora voter. That diaspora voter may come to Dominica and vote for Joshua Francis because he or she has been hearing about Joshua. He or she is satisfied with Joshua, and he or she may not be able to afford to buy a ticket on his own to come and participate, but he or she accepts the ticket from a Dominican Labour Party and comes here and vote for Joshua. <laughs> so I'm just saying, ultimately, we'll never get a perfect system. We'll never get a perfect system. 
and we do not know of any electoral uh, provision or any electoral process in the world that is perfect. So it will never be perfect. perfect. So it's about improving the system. Right. And I think that we have forged, I mean, sidetracking all the technicalities and all the discussions, because the one of the discussions we started with was the whole issue of six, Section 55B of the House of Assembly Election Amendment yeah, Bill. 57B, yeah. 57B, thank you. And um, I gave you a simple example from a philosophical point of view, because in one end you're saying that it is inappropriate for a political party to buy a ticket for someone who lives in New York to come here to vote, a Dominican who is in New York to come to Dominica to vote. But it's okay for someone in Dominica to pay a bus driver to pick up a voter from Grand Bay to go to Newtown to vote. So what are you really saying? In principles, if you're against the one where a ticket is being purchased for a Dominican from New York to come here to vote, you should be against the one that's been practiced on the, on the local front. For the record, I'm, I'm against both of them, by the way. So I just said, you see? No, no, for the record, I'm, you see, I think that, I think that the, the, as part of the election process, there should be transportation provided to facilitate that, that anybody, regardless of who you support or who you're going to vote for, can access it. And it should yes. be step on the transportation exactly. and not put the that, that, I totally agree with yeah. you. So I'm, I'm, for the record, I'm against both of them. I'm against your supporter going to Salibia, get somebody you know who votes for you and bring them down to vote. To me, I, even if it's a $10 ticket, to me, that's, that's in my mind, is equivalent to somebody buying a ticket from New York to come in because you're giving the person consideration for their vote. I, I totally agree with you. I think that on both fronts, people should be allowed to get their own transportation. In, in the absence of that, there should be state-owned transportation. transportation. Right. And so and so in that same vein, if all of the suggestions end up sound too, too crazy, to avoid all that treating and bribing allegation, they should just make it possible for me to go to the Dominican consulate in New York to vote. And maybe do one in Atlanta, do one in Miami, do one in Chicago, do one in Houston. So if somebody really wants to vote, there is a voting place within easy reach of them, and one in Toronto and one in, you know what I mean? Reasonable one. So, so, yeah. so that you don't have to travel to Dominica to vote, you can vote where you are. If what they're really interested in is giving people who live outside of Dominica the opportunity to vote, it should not be that I need to be able to get time off from work to come. I should be able to vote where I am within reason of the resources of the country. Right. So, so there, to me, there are workarounds that can that are practical. None of them are acceptable to me because my headline is: if you don't live in the country, you should not vote. But understanding that I'm one person and everybody else might have a different opinion, if we're really interested in people in the diaspora voting, we could set up election stations around the world or at places that's reasonable, so that even if somebody's not living in New York but they live in Boston, they can come to New York to vote. You know, within reason. Right. Um, if somebody is living in Louisiana, they can go to Houston to vote. You know, so whatever it is that it takes. Uh, or, right. or, or get a process where people can vote online and allow people in the diaspora to vote online. I don't know. But to me, um, we should get away from, and this is the whole gist of the argument. It comes back, this again is fi campaign financing or electoral financing reform. Because the way it's being done is whoever can afford to pay tickets for more people to come down has an advantage. 
That is well, clearly. That, and that's what it is it's about buying out elections. And this is not good for a nation. What it does is encourage decadence. It's encouraging immorality. It's encouraging the decay of the moral fabric of the society. Because mm -hmm. in the past, I mean, you, you, you can speak to that. When I was at high school and college, I never, I was never aware or cognizant of politicians giving people money for vote. I, I, I discussed issues. What is happening now is that the Dominican Labour Party is encouraging buying out voters. Buy, let me buy a ticket for you. Let me give you a plywood. Let me give you some shopping. Let me fix your house for you. Now, I do all those things hoping to get a vote from you, as opposed to having debates, having discussions, as opposed to be discussing issues. That is how you safeguard the integrity of a democracy, giving people freedom to debate, and to decide their vote based on who they think would make their lives better from a philosophical, from an educational, from a financial or economic point of view. You understand? But you are right. The, the way it is going now, it's about who has most money will win an election, and it should not be like that. That is, is, is in fact, is a wrong against the democracy of, 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 of the nation. Because when, if that happens, okay, there, there, before, before I let you go, there's another area that I feel very strongly about, and I, I didn't hear you mention it when you talk about the proposal for the electoral reform. So I'm going to ask you, what is the United Workers' Party's position on term limits for the Prime Minister? Well, you have heard the position of the um, United Workers' Party. We, we, we believe that a prime minister should serve two terms. So why wasn't that part of the proposal that was sent in for, or was it? I don't know, but you just, you just didn't mention it when you mentioned what, your, what, the, what, the, what the requests were. Well, we, the United Workers Party has been more concerned on the threat to democracy in Dominica. We believe that the proposals that were being brought before the parliament, particularly the proposals 57B, is a direct attack on, on the integrity of the electoral process. But, of course, there are other issues that we have had concerns about, and we have expressed our concerns. That is one of several issues. We didn't talk about access to the media. That yeah, is but, another... But you did mention that as one of the proposals. That right. Yeah. But what you have mentioned um, was not codified in our submissions. But nonetheless, the United Workers' Party has placed on public record that it is for the passage of legislation to put a ceiling on the number of terms that a prime minister can serve. You see, that, that, makes me, <laughs> that makes me nervous when, because to me, that is so important. To me, that is one of the most important issues why we don't get performance and we get people going, not just parties, we get a prime minister getting into power and it seems like the only thing he's concerned about is remaining in power. And he will do anything, and he and do anything to stay in power. Right. So that is why I think that term limit is not just something that we would like. I think it's something that's absolutely critical to our democracy. And so it just, it makes me a little nervous that that wasn't part of the proposal. But I guess, like you said, um, that is something that can be added on. But well, yes. I mean, we still have the opportunity to put our proposals forward. I must say that the Prime Minister and the Dominican Labour Party-led government listened to the Patriots. So much commendation to the Patriots, those who are here and abroad. Of course, you made mention of Master Edwards, who I know has been on the forefront of the movement for democracy in Dominica. 
And I also commend the Prime Minister for giving consideration to listen to the public because we have had concerns. The parliamentary position has, has, has had concerns. We have re religious leaders with concerns. And I can only hope that the statement that he made is not just for a political reason, but in fact and in practice, he will consider the views and will allow those views to permeate in whatever bill that he, 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 he will propose to the parliament over the next few months to come. Well, what I would say is that I don't hold much faith in that because I remember after the election, the, the prime minister spoke about extending an olive branch to the opposition. And um, at every opportunity that he got, it was it seems like it was a game of one-upsmanship that was taking place in Parliament, trying to, to get business or government done and amending the House before the opposition had chance to, to, to table whatever concerns that they had. So he has not proven to me in any that he has any good faith or he deserves um, that. But I, I take your point, you on the ground, I'm outside, so maybe you have a different perspective than I do. But um, I would commend you and all the other people who stood up and, 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 and saw this, this act as being, um, being wrong. I, the other act that passed before that, the one where, I, was it an act that was passed where they were, it was intended to restrict public gatherings? Or it was the, the, the Minister of Security? Um, right, it's public order act. Um, it, well, it wasn't, it was a regulation, an SRO. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a, a regulation where, the, where I think the Minister of Justice, um, Honorable Blackmore, had declared that the, we were not allowed to assemble at whatever place. Right. So all I look at all of those things and, mm -hmm. you know, every time that you, we, there's a demonstration, we hear the government and their supporters say, well, the way to get into power is through election. And so when we try to make elections more difficult for, for other people to win, when we make it more difficult for other people to voice opposition, it all seems like one big cloud that's gathering that, that doesn't you know, bode well for democracy. And so, yes. and so that, is what, that is what the major concern is. And, and so, you know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here, last week we had a, a couple of people and we had it like from the citizenship representative, opposition of course. Um, I wanted to bring you here to, to talk about it from a legal point of view. I think I think you clarified quite a few of those things. So I, I, so I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to, to come on and to talk to, to the audience of this weekend interview and, um, and to explain you know what exactly the situation was or is on the ground. Yeah, well, it's always a pleasure to be part of any audience or any part of any program to educate, enlighten, and empower people. I find you to be a very interesting host, um, or like some other hosts who do not participate directly in the discussion. I find you to be very knowledgeable. You have ideas of your own. Maybe one day you may become a politician. Who knows? Your proposal may come into practice, and you may just be the next parliamentary representative of a diaspora. <laughs> no, but if I have to, if I have to do that, I want to be on the ground working, man. I, you know? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Well, I just want to thank you for inviting me, and I want to thank your listeners for listening to us, and I want to encourage you to continue to contribute in one way or the other to the development of Dominica. We have a country to develop. It is not easy to develop, 
We spent a lot of time talking about legislators. I would suggest to the Dominican public that each of us have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to ourselves, our family, and to our nation. And while we look at our leaders to lead the way, nonetheless, within ourselves, we are leaders. And we have to do what is right. So whether the legislation to improvise and legalize bribery and treating ever comes through or not, God forbid that it does, we have a moral responsibility as individuals and as a nation to do what is right for ourselves, our families, and our country. Awesome. So I want to tell you, thank you so much. I really, I know how busy you were. It, it was, you know, down to the wire. I know you were, you were extremely busy. So I really appreciate you um, spending the time. And you, you were not hurried. You took your time and make sure that you explained stuff. You engaged me and, <laughs> and tolerated me in terms of, of, of me um, trying to represent the layman still and clarifying some stuff from the legal point of view. So I appreciate that. And I wish you well, and I want to tell you that, you know, our mic is always available for you to, um, to come out and, and bring your message to our listeners, especially those living outside of Dominica. All right. Well, well, I just want to say to your listeners uh, who are in the United States of America, to continue to be good to Dominica, to continue to look out for your family. Um, I think what I take pleasure most in is to see people's lives improve. And I believe in love, I believe in caring. And all your listeners, I urge them to remember their families back home. They may, they, you may not be able to come back every, every year. You may not be fortunate enough. And that is one of the reasons why some people jump and accept the Dominican Labour Party's ticket to come back <laughs> to Dominica. And that is why it's bribery. <laughs> yes. But I just want to urge you, your listeners to uh, re remember the families back home. And when it's possible, come home. Especially your mothers and your fathers, you know, remember honoring your parents is very important. Awesome. So Joshua, I want to say thank you again and good night. And um, like I said, I hope to see you again soon. And you, know, you, know, you know, a lot of people are, are choosing you as the next leader of the party. So one is, <laughs> well, that would be an interesting discussion to have one of these days. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> as I always say too, as I always say, my steps are ordered by the Lord and I'm ready. I, I basically surrender my life to my maker. I'm in politics to contribute towards the advancement and development of people. And if that's God's will, it will happen. But currently, this is not my ambition. I, I bring to the United Workers Party my skill and my talent for and in the interest of the people. And I thank the public for having that level of confidence. Of course, I've had a very hard last 14 months, but I have survived and I'm moving on. I'm still in there and I'm doing my best to make life better for all of us. And I can only hope Dominica becomes a more united country. I think the country has become very polarized and leaders like me have to find a way to bring back Dominica to sing one song and to be more united and to love one another and to tolerate one another. Different political views, nonetheless, we can eat from the same pot as we did in the past. And you, that, is why, that is why people are saying that you should be the leader. <laughs> so good night, Joshua. <laughs> and, and, and thank you once again, man. My pleasure. All right, then. Uh, listeners, I hope you agree with me that this was a wonderful discussion that I just had with the Pal Rep Paulie Rosa South constituency. Joshua Francis is an attorney by profession, and so I think we obtained our objective of um, clarifying some points um, and, you know, talking about the whole electoral process, because if we say we are democracy, elections are 
is one of the most important aspect of maintaining the confidence um, that our people should have in democracy. So this has been this week in interview for for this Wednesday night. I want to say good night to all my listeners um, and thank you to my producer and engineer Sam. This week in interview is a production of tdnradio.net. You can find um, broadcasts of our past shows. This show will be on by tomorrow. If you missed it or you want to listen to it again or you want to, uh, to ask somebody to go in to check it out, um, go ahead on tdnradio.net, do podcasts, and you can get uh, the, 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 the past shows that, that, we have, that we have played. So once again, good night. I will see you next week, Wednesday for another episode of This Weekend Interview. Good night.